that is called probate, that is time-consuming, and it also takes a lot of money away from whatever you have, just to prove that those things belong to you. With the trust, you avoid probate, which means that your loved ones at your demise will be able to receive more of the resources that you have left and, uh, and will receive it in a, shortest, in, in a short amount of time. If, if you have, per se, more than $150,000 in assets and you don't have a trust and you go through probate, uh, it might take a year, two years, or even longer. Depends how much worth you are. So it is beneficial. So anyway, Central California Conference has attained Seventh-day Adventist attorneys that do this at no fee to you. There's a fee for this if you were to do it out, outside. At no fee to you if in your heart, as you uh, distribute things to your family, you also do remember God's work. So if in your heart you want to help your family, if something was to happen to you before the coming of our Lord Jesus, and you want to provide also for God's work, they can provide for you this document. So think about it. Uh, that is a ministry that uh, there is there through Central California Conference, and that many of our members know. I'm going to leave some material with Pastor Miranda. So if you would like to know more about it, feel free to look at these materials and to give us a call, and we can uh, help you with the, the needs or, any, or, or answer any question, questions that you may have, okay? For this afternoon, we're going to continue with the godly way of giving. Because as we have seen in the world that we live in, I think we pretty much all give according to what we have been taught and we have seen. But family, let me tell you, and I am not ashamed or embarrassed to say this, we are God's people, and God wants us to give the godly way, not the worldly way, especially our lives, to give them our hearts completely, completely. And sometimes these messages brings a little bit of discomfort uh, because of sin, we tend to be selfish. I mean, a little baby, I, I remember my kids when they were a little baby. I did not have to teach them this. But if I give them something, they didn't want to give it back. They just didn't want to give it back. And if we went to a home to visit some friends or something, and, and in their kindness, they, they loaned them a little toy or something so they could distract themselves while we were visiting with them, they would not want to give it back. Who taught them that? Nobody taught them that. We, we, it, it's one of the, uh, of the things that sin has done in our lives, in our lives. So when we give, believe me, we are not giving biblically. If we would be giving biblically, our churches would be so differently, so different, so, so different. So I pray 
that as God teaches us through his word, not a man's philosophy or doctrines or teaching, through his word, that we can assimilate this is where God wants us to be. And this afternoon, we're going to look at three Bible verses. There are many, many more, but three Bible verses that in a very simple way will teach us the principles of the godly way of giving. The first one, it's found in one of the epistles. Uh, I believe it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 to 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 to 5. And I'm going to have it there on, this, on the uh, screen so we can all see it together and, uh, and see what God is telling us. But before we go and read that verse, I want to give you a little bit of its context so you know what's happening. The church in Jerusalem was having tremendous difficulties. They were in crisis. Uh, they were not doing well at all. The brothers and the sisters were suffering great tribulation. And the Apostle Paul and his helpers saw fit to collect an offering to send to Jerusalem. So they appealed to the churches that they were acquainted with. And Corinth, the church in Corinth, was one of those. And they appealed to the church at Corinth. And the Corinthians loved the idea. Yes, we are going to do it. We are going to do a collection and we're going to send an offering with you guys to Jerusalem, for the church in Jerusalem. But what happened was that when the time came, the church at Corinth held back. It did not do what they said they were going to do. And when you do a study, what happened to that church? How, how come they held back? How come they did not do what they were supposed to do? In the reading, you find out that they were in a spiritual decline. When the people of God are in a spiritual decline, guess what else, what else is in decline? The giving. But I'm not talking about only the giving of resources. I'm talking the giving of everything, of, of your talents, of, 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 your, uh, of your time. Uh, do you just come to church, you warm up pews, and you go home? God have mercy, because in North America, I have pastored many congregations that had that type of a personality. Let me tell you that. Decline. They don't want to do anything. I don't want to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm not going to help my fellow member that is having some situation. So-and-so is in the hospital. It's okay. They're going to get well. There are doctors and nurses. There's not a prayer lift up to them. There's not a visit. There's not a card given. A mother is having problem with her child. She's doing it on her alone. Nobody is embracing her, helping her through it. So when a church is in decline, the giving in all its aspects 
decreases, diminishes. And when you read the, the letters, the epistles of the Apostle Paul to these churches, these churches were in, and they were having ter terrible problems, circumstances. So one of the problems with the Corinthians, they did not give an offering as they said they were going to give. So the Apostle Paul writes to them and writes to them about the church of Macedonia. I want to belong to that church. And you're going to see why. And you're going to want to be in that church too. In fact, I think this is a Macedonia church, Pastor. He talks about the Macedonia church because of the way that they responded. And the funny thing is that when you read the first verses of this chapter, you're going to notice that the Macedonia church was not a well-off church. The Corinths were a well-off church. Macedonians were not. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses this expression to describe them. They were in extreme poverty. In extreme poverty. Yet, he testifies of their godly way of giving. So let's look at it. Let's look at it together. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3 and 5. And this is how it reads in the NIV. It says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. Now, there's so many things just in this couple of verses we read, family, that teaches us the godly way of giving. Let's not fly by uh, if we don't have to. Let, let, let's take a look at, 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 at the main ones right here. They gave as much as they were able. And then it continues to say something else. What does it say, family? Even beyond their ability. Now, remember the story this morning about the, the, the widow, how she gave? The, there is similarity right here, isn't it? You're going to see that in these verses, pretty much the same theme is repeated in different ways. God getting across to his people what is the godly way of giving. This church gave as they were able and even beyond their ability. Once again, when you look at this in the original uh, Greek, as it is written, it says they gave from what they had to live from. That's the idea. And they, even beyond their ability, that means it was sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. The people of God will have to give sacrificially especially in the last days in history of this earth, while we're waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus. We will give sacrificially. Who gave sacrificially? Aren't we to walk his walk? Remember, remember the godly way of giving. I was a child. I was born in Cuba, and I lived there until the age of 11. While I was there, I was under a regime that was very strict 
an antagonist against Christians. My father went to prison because he refused to work on the Sabbath. And he went to prison a second time because he refused to send me to school on the Sabbath. That's how it was. Uh, they would throw avocados, green mangoes, and eggs at us as the souls walk going to church. So that, is the, that was my Christian journey as a child. And I remember around nine or ten years of age, the dictator decided to find all the Seventh-day Adventist churches. If they did not pay a fine of so many thousands and thousands of dollars, which is not even our currency, we, our currency is Cuban pesos, I cannot remember the exact figure, but, but it was astronomous. If, if, it, if it was not paid, the churches would not be open. You cannot congregate. So the churches were all closed because we couldn't pay. But I experienced this as a little child. People giving sacrificially. I saw my father and my mother give sacrificially. This is all we have. We're going to give it. I saw a couple that were to be married. They had saved up. And it's not easy to save up in Cuba. They have saved up for the honeymoon and to start their new, their new home together. I saw them come before the pastor in my own home because we were, getting, we, were, we were meeting in the homes. We couldn't meet at the churches and said, Pastor, this is from us to God, given sacrificially. And let me tell you, the money, the money was collected. The churches were open. Where did the money come from? Don't ask me. I told my dad, Dad, weren't you afraid? He goes, not one bit. Daddy, did we go without any meals? Did we go without anything that we needed? He said, Lord, he, says, he said, son, God blessed us abundantly. We were living better than the people in our community. Nobody suffered, and people gave sacrificially. This is what the Macedonia church did. They gave not from leftovers. Remember the godly way of giving, how we saw it this morning? They gave how? They gave from what they had to live on. That is very significant. Let me tell you, when we give to the Lord that way. And then he continues to say, look at this other principle. They gave entirely how? On their own. No one had to tell them to give. Nobody had to pressure them. Nobody had to sell them the idea. Nobody had to twist their arm. They gave entirely on their own. And when you look at the Old Testament, when it talks about offerings, it's our, it, it always says free will offering. It, it, what, what comes from your heart is not something that is, is pressured. It, it, it's, it's pulled out from you. No, it's, it's done something that you want to do. That's what offerings are all about, family different than tithes. Tithes are not that way, but offerings are. You give on your own. I have made so many mistakes in the past as a pastor. I would beg the congregation to give. I, I made that mistake. Church family, 
we need money for this. We need so much for this, and people were not giving. And you developed ways, and you become creative to find ways for people to give. I remember, I'm not going to tell you which church it is, but it's very close <laughs> to our region. We had a problem with the roof. The roof was so bad, the shingles, man, those things were like more over than 100 years old. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but they were very bad. Every time uh, we had a rain, we had major leaks. And some of the main structures of the building were suffering and were, were, were getting weak because of this situation. They would not give. And, and I said, Lord, help us. We need the resources and, and find ways and creativity and sales and this and that for, for the people to give. And now that I look back in, in, in detail, as a minister of the gospel, I was not doing something that is biblical. This is, this is something that is not forced. This is not something that you have to sell the idea. This is not something that you have to pull. This is something that the people of God need to do entirely on their own. Entirely. That's the biblical way of giving. Are you guys seeing this? I'm not making that up. That's right there in, in God's word. It is not because you're forced to. It is not because they sold you the idea or you like the idea and that's why you're going to give. No, you do it because you, you want to do it. And then they pleaded with us. They pleaded with Paul and his helpers for the privilege of sharing in this service. This is what was happening. The Apostle Paul did tell the churches and he told Corinth about the need in Jerusalem. But he did not tell the church in Macedonia. He did not tell them. Because he said, these people are poor. How are they going to give? If he thinks like I think, he was probably saying, they need more help than anything else. <laughs> I have pastored churches like that. That I said, how can I ask him for money when they are the ones that are needing money? That's my human way of thinking. And I'm pretty sure the Apostle Paul was in that type of a dilemma. So he did not say anything to the church of Macedonia. But the leaders in the church of Macedonia noticed what was happening. And they went to the Apostle Paul and to his helpers and said, no way. We want to be part of this. Don't shut us out. We want to be part of the giving. For them it was a privilege. To be, to be part of that service. Isn't that beautiful? Now you see why I want to be part of the Macedonia church? I want to pastor that church. That's the ideal church, let me tell you that. They pleaded with them for the privilege, and they saw it as a privilege. Let me tell you, it is a privilege for this brother, for myself, to be in front of you and to be able to express and to teach God's words. It is not something that I deserve. It is a privilege. It is a privilege every time that we can tell somebody what Jesus has done in your life. That's, a, that, that's an awesome privilege. It is a privilege to come, and if we need to clean the church, to do it. It is a privilege to be the leaders of Pathfinders, to be a deacon, to be an elder. It is a, a privilege to do any ministry that God has given us. It is a privilege. What a privilege it is to give. And that's how they saw it. The godly way of giving, it's a privilege. A privilege to be part 
of, an, of a noble ministry that is not earthly born, but heavenly given, allowing us to be part of the ministry of Jesus, with, uh, uh, of the Lord on this earth. They saw it as a privilege. And then the Apostle Paul says, they gave themselves, first of all, to who? Family, that's the only way that a church can give. If a heart, if a life is not surrendered to God, we cannot give that way. It's impossible. You cannot do it. That's why I say that that widow, that Jesus saw that she gave less than a fraction of a penny, she had surrendered completely to God. She had, she had given her life for her to be able to give that way. The way that Mary Magdalene gave, she was surrendered completely to Jesus. The way she gave. If we are not surrendered completely to the Lord, you know what is the tendency? Hold back. Hold back. Hold back. But when we have given him our hearts completely, it will be, it's all yours, O oh Lord. It's all yours. That is the godly way of giving. That is God's expectation of his people. Now, if we go to the book of uh, Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, we're going to find some of the principles of, of godly giving. And, uh, and I, I, I like especially the last part of this verse. We're going to get to it. Uh, this, let me tell you the context of this verse too. It has to do with the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? And God told Moses to tell the children of Israel how they were to come before his presence. Okay? This is God telling Moses to tell the children of Israel how they were to come before his presence to worship. So I'm going to take on from chapter 16, the last part of verse 16 and 17. And we're going to get some principles of godly giving offerings, of course, uh, in, on that uh, text. It says, no one should appear before the Lord. How? Empty-handed. Empty Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed you. The first part that we can get some principles of godly giving is no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. What's going on in here? Is it that the Lord needs for us to bring our things? He cannot do without them? What do you say? Do you think that's the reason why? Ellen G. White, in the book, uh, well, Councils on Stewardship, but also I got this from Review on Herald, December 6, 1887. She's, she writes, the Lord does not need our offerings. We know that. We read that this morning in our scripture reading, that uh, all things come of thee, and of thy own have we given thee. Yet, 
God permits us to show our appreciation of his mercies by self-sacrificing efforts to extend the same to others. This is the only way in which it is possible for us to manifest our gratitude and love to God. He has provided no other. We were talking about tithes a little bit this morning. And I was sharing with you that tithes, when you return the tithes, I rather say return than to give, because I'm not giving anything that I have when I bring my tithes. I'm returning something that belongs to the Lord. I am not doing it because I am grateful. Of course I am grateful because God is good. He has given me resources. And that's why I can return that for him. But it is not because I am grateful that I am returning tithes. Many of our brothers and sisters think that. That is not biblically. Okay? It is not because God is good that I'm bringing my tithe. No, it is because I am acknowledging him as the owner and the Lord of my life. Okay? That's the reason why we bring him tithe in, in a worship, in, 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 in a worship attitude. Lord, you have given me. I'm now returning it back to you. Lord, you have given, and now I'm returning it back to you. And right there you are acknowledging you are my Lord. You are the owner of my life and everything that I have. Now, offerings are totally different. Offerings are an expression of our gratitude. Totally different. God, our Lord, has designed it this way in his divine wisdom. Offerings are an expression of our gratitude. God, because you have been good to me, this I bring. God, because you have been gracious, this I do. So it is a token of our appreciation when we come before the Lord. That's why he said, don't come to me with empty hands. When I have done things for you. It says he has provided no other. We don't have time to get into this either. But also one of the reasons that offerings play an important part in the believer is to eradicate selfishness from our hearts. If you have an opportunity, read the book, Counsels on Stewardship. It will teach you this in such a beautiful way. God has designed through offerings when they are given with a sincere heart to eradicate selfishness from our hearts. So that is the reason why he asks the children of Israel that no one should appear before the Lord, how? Empty-handed. It reminds me of a story. I don't know if you have heard this story of an elder, a church elder in India. He invited a guest speaker, a pastor, to come to his church. And the day came and the pastor arrived, the congregation were all there, but the elder that invited the pastor was not there. 
So everybody was wondering, what happened to elder so-and-so? I don't remember his name. What happened to elder so-and-so? Why he's not here? He's usually here at church. He's the one that invited the pastor. He should be here. He, he wasn't there. So they decided to wait a few minutes, and the elder didn't show up. So they asked the guest speaker to go ahead and start, and the guest speaker go ahead and started with a message. The message was done, and the elder had not arrived. And then when everybody was walking away from the church, the elder comes running. And he goes straight to the guest speaker and he tells him, let me tell you what happened. I was coming to church on time. And as I was walking towards church, I realized I'm not bringing anything. I'm not bringing anything to the Lord. And he has been so good to me. He's been so kind, so gracious, so forgiving, and I'm not bringing anything to worship him with? Oh, no, no, I can't do that. I'm going to go back home and see if I can find something. Now, of course, India is not North America, especially in the area where he lives. They don't have abundance. They, they're not very materialistic. So he goes to his home, and when he goes to his home, he goes to the little living room. There's really nothing that he could give. He goes to the kitchen. There's really nothing I can give. He goes to the bedroom. There's really nothing I can give. And then he goes to his backyard, the story says, and he sees his chicken getting ready to lay an egg. And he decides to wait for the chicken to lay the egg. And he waited and waited, and apparently the chicken had another time standards than he did because the chicken took a long time. And when finally the, the egg was laid, he goes up there, the story says, he takes the egg and he comes running and he goes, now I have something to offer my Lord. Now, when I, when I saw that story, it, it, it didn't click to me. I mean, what, what, why did, was that kind of extreme? Was that a kind of fanatic? But as I read more of the Bible... And as I allow the Holy Spirit to work in my heart and to impress how am I to give to the Lord, I understand something. When I am blessed, I cannot come empty-handed before the presence of the Lord. The attitude of worship brings me before the Lord with something that I am thankful for, for what he has done to me. And that is what God was teaching the children of Israel. When you come, you should appear, you, no one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. And then look at his instructions in the following verse. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Do we understand that? You bring a gift to the Lord in proportion to how he has blessed you. So if he blessed you much, you're going to bring much. If he blessed you little, you're going to bring little. If you did not receive any blessings from the Lord, then you will have to come with not, without anything. I doubt that that will happen because God is good all the time. I have experienced that in third world countries. I have experienced it in North America and in other countries and in the middle of the jungle. God is good all the time. So the gift 
was to, was, to, was to be brought according to the way that the Lord bless you. You know what principle of godly giving God has given us right here on this text? You do not give an offering according to the needs that are presented. Listen to this, family. You do not give an offering according to the gifts that are presented. You give an offering because the Lord has blessed you. Can you see where, what, what the word is telling us? Let me give you an example. We come Sabbath to our church. And I don't know if our treasurer is here, if we have a treasurer here or not, but let's say the treasurer stands up and, and she says, family, we are in the red. We need so much money for local church budget. Please give. So you give, okay? They said they're in the red. I'm going to give. But next Sabbath comes around, you come, and the treasurer gets up in the platform and again, and she goes, brothers and sisters, i got to tell you something amazing. We are not in the red anymore. In fact, we went over. You had something, but then you keep it to yourself. No, there's no need. I'm not going to give it. And you walk away. According to the Bible, that's a no-no. According to the Bible, you give even though there's not a need. Are you listening to me, family? This is not a man speaking. This is God speaking to us through his word. You give if there is a need, and you give if there is no need. The reason why you give is because you are grateful. Because you're, you're showing your gratefulness for what God has done, is doing in your life. And you're bringing a gift in proportion to what he has blessed you with. So you're not giving from leftovers. Did you see that principle right there too? You're not giving from leftovers. You are giving from what the Lord has given you to live. And this is what you bring to the Lord. And this is an acceptable gift. If the church would give in such a way, family, I tell you, there would be no needs among our congregations. We would have funds for evangelism in the local church. We would have funds to send our kids to academy in our local church. We will have funds to fix the building, to do whatever maintenance needed to be done, whatever remodelation, remodel. We would have funds to help the needy in a congregation. We would have funds to do wonderful and mighty things in our community. This is what the servant of the Lord in Consuls on Stewardship tells us on page 36. The Lord does not propose to come to this world and lay down gold and silver for the advancement, advancement of his work. He supplies men with resources that by their gifts and offerings, they may keep his work advancing. So what God is blessing you with, God has given it to us so we can bless others with that. 
Do you see the principle right here? And then she also says in the same book on page 45, God himself originates the plan for advancement for, of his work. And he has provided his people with a surplus of means that when he calls for help, they may cheerfully respond if they will by faithful, if they will be faithful in bringing to his treasury the means lent them, his work will make rapid advancement. Many souls will be won to the truth and the day of Christ's coming will be hastened. Where are we at? Where are we at? The godly way of giving is totally different than the worldly way of giving. And God wants to wake up his church. Do not live like the world. Live as my people. Give according to the biblical principles. It brings me to this conclusion, which I am praying so honest, so, so, so uh, earnestly. If when we love our Lord, there is no limit to the giving. We give our lives completely to Jesus. What's going on with our churches? That's what I ask myself. What's going on? And I pray, Lord, what's, what's, what's going on? This is what I have seen. We are a blessed church. We are so blessed with Bible truths. Amen. Not because I'm a minister of the gospel, but let me tell you, family, there is no church on earth that has the understanding of those beautiful Bible truths. There is no other church on earth that opens their Bible and takes it as God's word as we do. I'm telling you, there is no other church. This is it. Yet, we somehow have not been able to make a connection of mind and heart. There is a great distance. We have the knowledge. We know it. Don't mess with me. I, I know my Bible. I mean, some, 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 some folks might feel that way. You know, I, don't, I know what God is it's saying. I know what the Bible says. But when it comes to an enriched experience, it is lacking. I have to be honest. And I pray, Lord, help me in my daily walk not only have intellectual things, but let me have a heart that lives everything that you give to me. And I have, a f I, I have a feeling, no, I know this is what's happening to our churches. We have all this right here, but we haven't been able to make a connection with heart. 
our lives have not been given completely to the Lord. We hold back. And because we hold back, there's so much need in our churches. Imagine if we were to give the biblical way. What, what things can you see? I, can you start dreaming? Are you dreaming what things would happen? Amazing things will, will, will take place. Let's look at our last verse. And our last verse, it's a verse that is very well known. You know what? But before we go to that last verse, I just realized something that I want to touch into this. We were, we were told a gift in proportion to the way the Lord has blessed you. Some, some folks say, but how much of an offering I need to give? I think, that, I think the answer is right there. Wouldn't you say? There isn't a percentage prescribed for an offering. God, in his wisdom, infinite wisdom, did provide a percentage when it comes to tithing. When it comes to offering, it's a thing of the, a thing of the heart. And if your heart is right with God, nobody has to tell you how much you have to give or what should be the percentage. That is something between you and God because you know how he has blessed you. You know what I mean? He, you know how he has blessed you. Maybe later, maybe later on, probably later on, I'm going to show you what we do as a family. Okay, let's go ahead and go to that last verse. And that last verse is from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And it's chapter 9, verse 7. And it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And once again, Right here we see godly principles of giving. Give what you have decided in what? In what family? In your heart. This is telling us that it's not a thing of the moment. Okay? It's not a thing of the moment. Follow me now. It, it denotes a well considered decision. Okay? Let me give you an example. It is not to be sitting down on a church on a Sabbath day and when the offering plate is passing by, I give whatever I have in my pockets or what I think it would be good from what I have in my pockets or in my wallet or in my purse. That is not what he's saying. What he's saying is that you have taken a thought, you have reason, and you have said, Lord, I'm going to give you this. And you come prepare to worship God, to give him what you have in your hands. Do you see the difference? When you give that way, you avoid in giving under compulsion. I remember what I did, and I am so embarrassed. But I gotta, I gotta tell you what I did. I think it was the first year I was dating the same young lady. 
and it was one Sabbath, and the offering plate was passing through my pew. She was sitting right beside me. Guys tend to show off. Guys tend to show off, let me tell you. And I put money on that plate so she can say, wow, look. After I got closer with Jesus, listen, after I got closer to my Lord Jesus, after I, I started reading more of the Bible and spending time with me, shame, shame on me, Daniel, for what you just did. Shame on Shame. Compulsion. One time, <clears throat> I was, uh, this was not compulsion. I was uh, leading on a board meeting in one of our churches. And uh, we were having problem with the budget. Big problem. I mean, we, we were in the red. And there was a gentleman there at the table. We were sitting around the table for the board meeting. And he takes out his wallet, and he takes out three $100 bills. I give this for the budget. I want all of you guys to do the same. Reluctantly, I saw a couple of the members there in the board meeting Look at the wallets. <laughs> I knew they did not want it to give. So I said, brother, you don't have to do this. This is not the way that we are to give, reluctantly. You know, I, I really don't want to do this. I could use that money for something else. That, that, that was not for this purpose. But... When you decide in your heart what you want to give, oh, you can come with pure and sincere heart before the presence of the Lord in a worship attitude, and you give him with what he has blessed you with, the godly way of giving. As a family, since we were married, I would say, since we were married, we decided, God, we're going to be faithful we don't care what's going to happen with our tithes. There, there's no question about it. And on top of that, Lord, it doesn't matter how much you bless us with or little, it's always going to be 10%, even if it's little or if it's less, or if it's much. We've been doing it, we've been doing that for several years. It's been a beautiful journey with the Lord. Let me tell you. I have a brother. He's a Christian Seventh-day Adventist. He had the nerve to ask me, how can you live with five children, my wife was not working, and be able to have quality of life? How can you do that? God knows. He is the one that provides immeasurably more than what you can imagine. Right now, it's very difficult for us to give 
in the church because we don't have a church family. Since we're working at the conference office, we are visiting different churches every weekend, year-round, different places. So I say that the, the act of worshiping, of giving the tithe and, and the offerings have, have been taken away from us, I say that. And we don't want to do it, sending it through uh, online or something, because it, I, I don't know if I'm old-fashioned or I, I'm not against technology, but for me, it kills that worshiping experience that, that I love to have, okay? So we decided to do something at home, and that is when we have family worship. We say, Lord, we are giving you back what a portion of what you have given us. Your tithe. Thank you, because you have provided. And then we'll tell our kids, kids, and we're giving so much in offerings because God is so kind and good to us. We worship, we sing, we celebrate, we pray. And then we send it to the church. So worshiping that, you should do the same at home. It, it, it's going to change completely your culture of giving. Your offerings, prepare it before time. You come to church. And remember, remember this family. And please, please, I, I beg of you, share it with your brothers and sisters that were not able to be here. Do not give because they're is in need, you give because the Lord has blessed. You give according to his blessing. And that is, family, the godly way of giving. I want to give you time for any questions or, or any comments or any, anything that you want to share with that has to do with this. It would be awesome. Uh, I want to make sure that this was clear. I didn't want to bring something elaborate. I wanted to bring something that was Bible-based and to see it, that you can see it with your eyes right there on Scripture. That's what I wanted to do. Is there any, any, anything that needs to be clarified? Is there any questions that you have or any comments? I would love to hear from you. Something that was not clear. Let me tell you, my, my brain as, as ministers, and, and some of you have, 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 have experienced this. Sometimes when we're up front, we are a little pressured by time. So our brain is going really crazy. You cannot measure its speed. And, and we have to say, Holy Spirit, you help me. Help me what I need to say, what you want me to say and they need to hear. And sometimes... I feel, I personally feel, I don't know if the same thing happens to you, Pastor Miranda. Oh, did I miss something? I should have said that. So I'm giving you this opportunity. If there's something I miss, if there's something that's not clear, would you like, would you please? Yes, sister. So I know that tithes, they go to like the conference and stuff and pay for like the pastors and different things, right? Yes. Um, but in regards to offerings, do offerings have to be given to a church? Like, um, say for example, like it's Sabbath um, and we obviously give like our offerings, but could you use that offering? for something else? Or does it need to be, the offering that you have, whatever, does it need to be given like in a church service? Or could you like have your offering be like you gave money to like a family that was struggling or you fed a homeless man or you helped an orphan in Africa or something? That's an awesome question. Um, if you belong to a church, 
If that is where your membership is, is that where you go every Sabbath, you want to support the ministry, and you're part of that ministry too. So you want to give to your local church that part of the offering. And of course, you can always give to the other needs that they have. An example, I don't like to use myself as an example, but I truly believe God is leading us, has led us in doing things. That portion of the offering that I was sharing with you guys that we set apart faithfully, uh, and it doesn't fluctuate because we say, Lord, is going to be given to you either if it's much or if it's little. We, in prayerfully, as a family, we said this portion is going to be for local church budget. This portion is going to be to help family in needs. And this portion right here is for any special projects that we become aware of. So that's what we do as a family. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and that's, that's up to you. But to, to, to tell you, if you belong to a congregation, you want to support your congregation because that's where you even do your ministry right there. Hope Channel or, yeah, yeah, okay. I think I'm understanding you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me see if I got this, this right. Let's say you are in church one Sabbath. And that Sabbath, uh, when they pick up tithes and offerings, they say that offering is going to be uh, to... Uh, what's one of the ministries that sometimes we do a year? Liberty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it? Um, religious, 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 religious liberty. Okay, all the loose offering it should go to religious liberty. But the offerings that you want to remain in church, you should put it in the envelope and you should uh, clarify that you want that to be used for local church budget. Okay, did that answer the question? So, so you're saying that every week we should give the local church budget and then whatever the loose, or whatever the offering is, that the loose offering is like above that? Can you say that again? Okay. Every week you're saying that we should give offering to the local church budget. So if we were to do it every week to the local church budget, we need to put it in a time envelope if that wasn't what the offering is for. And then the offering that is announced up front, that's like the loose offering, that's above our local church budget offering that we give every week. Right. It doesn't have to do with your local church offering. It's an offering that goes to that specific ministry. So... It's, it's up to you, sister. I mean, it, it isn't somebody that is forcing you. It would be nice if your church can be blessed with your offering every time you're blessed and you come with it because you want to support the ministry in the area. But what a privilege. Remember the, what we saw about the, the church in Macedonia? They saw a privilege to help their brethren in Jerusalem. So 
that's how I see it. What a privilege I have to give offerings for those that are blind and they need Bibles to be able to read and they cannot use the Bibles that we have. What, a, uh, what an honor, what a privilege it is to be able to give uh, for, let's say, for Loma Linda University. How many lives they're changing uh, or evangelism. But of course, my heart is in the place where God has placed me to do ministry, and that is my local church. Yeah. Sister. Beautiful. And I have found that has been pretty useful because then I know this is exactly what God wants me to do with this resource that He has provided me with. And this is coming behind um, when our economy just really got kind of crazy. Um, a lot of our businesses failed, just failed. And we were just in financial muck, okay? And uh, I was thinking, whoa, we got more bills than money. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of so turned upside down to me, but it was a biblical principle. Yeah. And he walked through how that's what God says to do. And I thought, okay, this makes no sense to me, but God is right. And I just prayed and asked God to change my heart, <laughs> from, and turn my heart to his heart. And that's what I started doing in the face of the fact that financially things were upside down. Thanks for sharing that. And this, this is something that we need to assimilate. This is something that we need to assimilate. The godly way of giving, it's impossible to do if your heart is in the wrong place. We can go around it, we can find excuses. If your heart is in the wrong place, it is impossible to, to, to live by these principles because it isn't. It, 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 it doesn't come out of our hearts. But when we surrender our life completely to Jesus, this is part of our daily routine. Going back to tithes and offerings, there is an envelope. And in that envelope, you have tithe 10%. And then for offerings, you have different offerings that have different percentages. Those are just suggestions what you can do with your offerings. For example, it says 3 to 5% of your offering for local church budget. I personally give much more than 3 to 5% of my offering to personal 
uh, to uh, local church uh, budget. And it also says one to 2% for conference faith advance. And it has world missions, one to 3%. So those that have no idea, how am I gonna do? This is some suggestions right here that you have how you can divide your offerings and, and, and give to the Lord. Of course, if you wanna do more than that, you are, you know, you, you are more, you're more welcome. You're more welcome. There was a hand, yes, sister. Well, I have something that's always bothered me. Share with us. I hear you, and I'm going to tell you what the Bible, what the Bible tells me. Test the Lord. Amen. Test the Lord. Uh, it doesn't come naturally, but trust Him. Trust Him. The very first, I'm going to, I'm just going to give you my personal experience. Every time I receive my check, the very first thing. I set apart is my tithe. I want to acknowledge that God has given me everything that I have. The very first thing I do, and I don't care if I would have less to pay for my home or for my bills. I leave it to God. He asked me to return what belongs to him, and I do. I do the same thing with my offerings. I have learned to give from what I have to live. So I will not wait at all to see how much I have left after I paid for my bills or my home and so forth and I put food on my table. I don't wait for that. Right there, offerings go out. So we have tithes and offerings. And the rest, God, you're going to help me with that. And he has not failed me. He will not fail you. He will not fail you. When you come to a bind, your bills are so great. You give your tithe, and when you give your tithe, you even have less. And maybe you even get into debt because you, there's no way that you can pay that. So something's happening. Trust in the Lord. There is no other way around it. Yes. Always at the last minute. But then I don't have the if I pull the money out of the tithe or the tithe money out of what I've been praying for, then I'm right back to the same position that I don't have the money. And yet he answered the first prayer. I mean There's no, there's no other way around it. I, I cannot, I will never, 
ever give permission to someone to keep the money that God wants to return. And they might say, Pastor, you're cold-hearted. No, I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing you a favor. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He will not fail you. God tests us. He will test you. He, he tests us. And, 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 and uh, he does it for a reason. He doesn't do it because he doesn't love you. He does it because he loves you so much that he wants to bless you abundantly. Abundantly. Don't, don't get discouraged. My father became a Seventh-day Adventist when he was, he tells me, the age of 21 years of age. And one of the hardest things for him to accept was tithes. He said, I accepted everything, everything that was given to me but tithing. That I could not accept. Because here I am trying to survive, and now I have to give 10% of my salary. And then he said, you know what? If God speaks so strongly in Malachi, he claimed that promise. Something has to happen. He gave the 10% with the 90%. He knew he could not survive. He was able to pay everything with that 90%. The next time came around, he did the same again. He gave God the 10%. God provided, and this time even more with that 90%. Right there he said, I was so wrong, God is always right. From there he has never been unfaithful when it comes to giving, giving to the Lord. Uh, it's is a test of our faith. It's a test of, of who is the Lord in your life. Who is the owner of your life? Are you going to be in control or is the Almighty going to be the one in control? And the only way that we can be at peace is surrendering to Jesus. That's, that's the, only, the only way. Think, thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. There was a hand in here somewhere, was it? Was it yours? Yeah. It was mentioned already, okay. Am I missing anybody? Yes, sister. Are we talking for offering? Oh, how did I, as a family, determine? Well, yeah, okay. We, we just said, Lord, it, it doesn't matter what we have. It's going to be that certain amount. See, it's going to be that certain amount. That, to us, in, in, in our experience, that helped us. That helped us not to be giving from leftovers, but to give 
from what we have to live by. You know what? We did not use a criteria. We said we're going to give 10%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're just going to give 10%. But you were right. It's a thing of the heart. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing of it's a thing of the heart. Not everybody, it's able or 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 maybe it's not in their Christian experience to do that. They might even do more. I have known folks that do 20, 30 percent, and uh, it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 uh, it's amazing. I don't want to keep you anymore, Pastor. Um, <laughs> would you like to close in with a prayer? Should I want to say it was good being with you. Thank you for sharing this time with me. I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope you were blessed. Don't keep it for yourself. Share it with your brothers and sisters. And also put it into practice in your life. Most of all, surrender every day your life to Jesus Christ. Every single day of your life, surrender it to him, and you'll be able to live this type of a lifestyle. for hearts that would naturally and spontaneously sacrifice for your cause and for your glory. Um, and so we pray that that would take place day by day in our own experience, whether it comes to our ability to give resources or time or effort or our abilities, uh, whatever we can give so that you can come soon. Lord, we also just want to praise you for the ministry that you have entrusted to the Suarez family. And um, the journey that you have them on um, as a family and as individuals. And we want to lift them up to you in prayer. Um, Lord, this is, this is a special calling that you have given this family. Um, you know, just even hearing about how they don't really have a church to call their home. Lord, I, I know that you are their home. That as they abide in you and you in them. I pray that uh, they would really find that, that great security of, of Jesus being their all in all. <laughs> Lord, we also just pray that you would um, bless them beyond measure, that you would expand their territory, that the, the ministry you've entrusted them, the messages that you've given them, not just in word, but also in deed, that these things would have ripples um, that, that are unmeasured, ripples that really reach eternity. Uh, thank you so much for the time that they've been able to spend here. I pray that you would bless them with safe travel uh, from here on out. And for us as a church, Lord, how we can move forward and put these things into practice. Lord, you know the plans that you have for us individually, how we can put these into practice in our own household. You know what we need as a church, this Macedonian church. Mm -hmm. Lord, we pray that, uh, yeah, that you would live out your will Amen. in our experience here at Parkdale. Thank you, God.